premier clubs in the state of Texas, beautiful right there in Central Texas, the panoramic views of the field, home to the 7-1 Bears as they're 14th in the country right now. What a time it would be to join the Baylor Club. In fact, I just, the other day I was in town, I just, I just said, you know what the heck with it. I mean, I thought doing all these wonderful reads and talking about it, they might just make me a member. But finally, I just said, to heck with it. I'm going to pay my dues and become a member of the Baylor Club. And I love it, and it's a great place, great place to take friends. Tacker used to take me. It was like he was witnessing to me or something. So, uh, And uh, uh, he would take me up there and take me to that buffet. We are proud to be joined by an old friend. He's actually a young guy. I don't think he's even arrived at the age of 30 yet, but he's really closing in on it quickly, uh, especially if these horned frogs continue to do things like this. Uh, Stephen Simcox, longtime pal, longtime uh, producer and on-air talent at uh, ESPN Central Texas, has gone and gotten Gary Patterson fired. And uh, I guess, Stephen, I'll just have to just start out by saying how do you feel? How do you feel? What do you have to say for yourself? I was pretty floored by yesterday. Uh, even mm. after a debacle in Manhattan, Kansas on Saturday, I, you know, I, I thought Gary had obviously gained so much capital in this relationship with what he's built that it would be his decision at the end of the year whether or not he wanted to come back. And the fact that uh, Jeremiah Donati, who you talked a little bit about in the last segment, and you're right, like he is a pretty anonymous person at this point. I mean, he hasn't done a whole lot since Chris Del Conte left. Uh, the one big hire he made was promoting Kirk Sarluch from pitching coach to manager after Jim Flaschnagel left for A&M in the offseason. So this is his uh, big moment to shine as far as bringing somebody in. But I did not feel like he had the power to just walk in and essentially kind of tell Gary what's what. Um, and, you know, him, him, Gary saying, like, no thanks, I'm good, I'll leave, is, like, such a perfect encapsulation of his personality. And one of the things that made him great as a coach, I, I can just see him, like, with a chip on his shoulder being like, no, if you want me out of here, I'm gone today. That's how this is going to go. Uh, it's really it's sad to me that he's not going to get a chance to have a moment at you know the, the final home game of the season against KU or even against Baylor this Saturday where the fans could truly appreciate what he's done. I, I thought it was time for a change to be made. I think the way it happened was pretty clunky. I think there will be some ramifications for that, obviously, with your personnel uh, on the field. I think there will be um, – not a lot of fight left in this team for the last four games of the season. I mean, that's just kind of my view of it right now. But they, they've done it now. And, and now you have a coaching search for the first time since 1999, which is going to be pretty fascinating to watch. But, yeah, I, I didn't think in my wildest dreams that he would leave midseason like this. And it would basically be a firing, even though the way they, they worded it in the press release was that it was a mutual parting the ways between the, the two sides. Yeah, um, I, I like, by the way, that everybody's always like, 
well, I was blocked by Gary or this or that. I'm, I'm like, can we just say goodbye to the man and not have to, like, talk about who's been blocked and all that? Like, somebody from Baylor today that our Daily Bears was like, well, I just found out I was blocked by Gary. Well, at some point, he's blocked all of us. So do, shouldn't we tell those people not to feel special? It's like Gary just goes on these huge block festivals. Now, he did it to you recently, and I felt bad because I know you kind of joked about it, but deep down, you kind of loved that man. And it's like you were you knew it was probably time for a change, but it's like anything. When it happens, it's kind of sad. I mean, this is a guy, and, I, and I, again, Gary and I have had our ups and downs. He, he the, the hatred, let's start here. The, in talking to uh, Stephen Simcox, by the way, who's in the mortgage business right now, but still does all kinds of TCU podcast, and it, it, at his heart is still a media guy. As is that Chris Allman, who's, I mean, I hear him on with John. I mean, none of you guys can actually kick your habit, all right? You're always mm-hmm. trying to get back on the radio. But I, I think one of the toughest things is for Baylor people and TCU people. Art Bryles, and obviously these guys are gone for different reasons. Art was winning plenty of games. Art was brought down by an awful scandal. Um, Gary had kind of let the program get away from him, so he's now gone. These two sort of needed each other. This sort of hate between those two fueled what became one of the coolest rivalries uh, in, in the country. And, and, and maybe it was just to us. I'm not, I'm not saying Ohio State woke up every day thinking, oh, Baylor, TCU's do rivalry. But in Texas, this was really fun for us. Two Christian schools, two church schools that have a lot of history together over the years could not stand each other. And at one point in the middle of this uh, last decade, 2012 through 2016, let's call it, were great. I mean, both these programs were really, really good. And, Stephen, that's the hard part of all this, is that it just really feels like the end of something. I mean, I'm hoping you all go get a good coach, and obviously Baylor seems to have a really good coach now. But this just stinks for the, this really cool rivalry that we've had. It does. I, I mean, it lost a lot of its fire. It, in some ways, that was probably good. I mean, I remember you were – almost, you know, came to blows with some TCU folks in a monsoon. I think that was back in 2015 in Fort Worth. <laughs> and that crazy overtime game where it just rained and rained and it was frigidly cold. Uh, there was, like, literal and vitriol between the two sides. They did not like each other. Art and Gary did not like each other. They didn't hide that, even though publicly they would kind of make nice comments from time to time. And Gary's always been an easy target for opposing fan bases. Because, I mean, he's, he's always kind of complaining about something. And honestly, like, his gaffes with the media or just his general sort of temperament, you know, that stuff, it's, it's really easy to look past when you're winning. As the years have gone by and he's had some tougher seasons, I feel like a spotlight has been shined on that more. Um, but it was a great rivalry. I think it was great for two schools that, yeah, they, TCU and Baylor want to beat Texas. Like, they want to beat Oklahoma. But those schools don't really see them on the same footing. Now, should they? Sure. I mean, Baylor just whipped Texas at McLean Stadium. Uh, but they don't. And there's, I don't really think there's much the teams can do to get those fan bases to really fully engage with them. But TCU and Baylor felt like two very similar schools, two schools that wanted to be in a rivalry with one another. And is it still a big game? Yeah, is it still fun 
when these weeks roll around, like you know, we have it right now. Um, yes, it is. But I remember when when Jim Grove was serving as the interim, and Javo was asking him about Gary, and he's he's talking about how much he respects GT and he loves him, and like I could just hear the people groaning, like the Baylor fans groaning. <laughs> I heard that because they want, like they want fire, they want a rivalry here, they want to dislike, you know, that that guy that was running around and sweating and hitching up his pants all the time and just yelling about everything. Um, so that did bring a cool element to what was a fun series, and, and we've lost that now, which is unfortunate. Well, talking to Stephen Simcox, the man has mixed emotions because I do think that uh, you do have a great appreciation for what Gary's accomplished and some of your favorite moments as a student and then uh, as a TCU fan, and that Rose Bowl was such a great moment for TCU fans over the years. It's just uh, that's a, it's a tough day. The man already has a statue on campus. So this is awkward. I, I do think, um, Stephen, eventually there'll be some kind. Now, he'll have a, a role if he wants one as some kind of ambassador. You know what they ought to do is run out this Donati and just make Gary the AD. Wouldn't that be hilarious? And turn him into like the Barry Alvarez. You know, the Wisconsin AD was always hanging around. And if, if a coach left or if I had to fire somebody, he would show up and coach the bowl game. And, and and I could see Gary filling that role. You know, he to me, he's a little bit like a Snyder, who, who I think was a hero of his. I mean, you could see TCU at some point going, uh, Gary, we kind of need you back here. Do you think Gary will become a defensive analyst or a coordinator or maybe even um, have a, an opportunity to be a head coach somewhere else? What do you think is next for him? As I think ultimately he'll probably just settle in retirement, but the fact that this was a firing makes me think that he might test the waters as a head coach again. Um, an analyst really would make sense because he could get paid pretty well and he could just kind of stay behind the scenes. I can't really see him being like a coordinator. I just can't see Gary um, sort of submitting to someone else on, on staff and not, you know, running things how he wants to because he's done it for so long. But, this might light a fire under him. I mean, you know, he did. He built something amazing. And what he did at TCU, um, you can't understate it. Like, he is TCU football in a lot of ways. And in the last few years, I think part of it, part of the, the downfall of it or, or the issues that he was having was he was just extremely loyal to his staff. I mean, he never cut Doug Meacham loose. He finally sort of let Sonny Cumbie move on, but he made sure that he moved on to a situation that might work out for him, and now Sonny's uh, at least has a chance to maybe make you know a name for himself there as, at Texas Tech as the interim head coach. Um, he's kept Jerry Kill around for the past few seasons. He's a great friend of his. So maybe this is a wake-up call, and he wants to innovate and do something differently. Um, but I, I really hope he stays around the program. I hope he would just take like a, a really relaxed fundraising job or something like that because uh, he does mean so much to the school and the university, and it is sad that everybody wants their legendary coach to be carried off on the player's shoulders after a big win. And obviously in this situation, that's not, that's not what happened. And that's not the, uh, the storybook ending that, that TCU fans wanted. It is uh, Steven Simcox. And uh, we're talking about uh, TCU and the, the fact that uh, Gary Patterson is no longer the head football coach there. It just sounds strange. I mean, it, it, it 
you think about some of these programs over the years, and, and, and TCU without Gary is just weird. Do you, do you see any scenario where Jerry Kill could maybe rally the guys? I mean, I'm still worried. You know I always get worried about these things, and you know how much mm-hmm. I hate going over there to Fort Worth. I love Fort Worth. And I, and I actually, uh, you and others, I've got great TCU friends. I've just had bad experiences at those games. And, of course, Tom calls me like last night, and what does he say? Well, Matt, they want us to do the, uh, the tailgate show over at, over at Fort Worth. I'm like, I can't, I can't get out of this. I cannot get out of going to Fort Worth. It's just I have horrible experiences there over the years. But let me ask you this. Does it – do you see a scenario where they could sort of win it for the Gipper rally mm-hmm. and almost do it for Gary kind of thing? Does that does something because weird things happen between these two schools? Weird things do happen, and I think you have to leave some possibility of that that they just get up for it, they rally, they try to win for him, they try to make a statement. But, I, I mean, honestly, Matt, I think this is a pretty beaten-down group right now. I mean, the effort wasn't there on the road against K-State. I think the players sort of sensed uh, what was what was coming or that things had changed to a certain extent in the last few weeks. And Jerry Kill and that staff, I mean, I, I feel like they'll do their best. But, honestly, it seems like there's a clean break happening here. Um, and all those guys are probably going to have to move on. So, you know, how much can you really go 100% when – you you see the writing on the wall. Um, the biggest advantage I feel like TCU has had over Baylor lately, because they have played well against them in the last few years, even though in a lot of those games Baylor's been favored, is that I just I don't think Baylor's had a real coherent offensive philosophy, but that's changed with Jeff Grimes yeah. and Eric Mateos coming on staff. I mean, they want to run the football. They do it well. They have a good offensive line that is, is mauling people. They use that to go on the play-action game, and, and Gary Bohannon's been – been really, uh, you know, a fantastic quarterback so far this season. So, I believe Baylor's in a good space. And I mean, as as long as there's no um, looking ahead to OU, I, I can't see much of a possibility of TCU winning this game. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they will get up for it. But I I think that you got a lot of players that are kind of already looking at what's next. Whether that's guys getting ready for the next level in the NFL, guys getting ready. Um, to hit the transfer portal. I mean, this is going to be – this is a complete regime change. Uh, so I expect a, a lot of a lot of personnel changes over, you know, the, the coming months. And I think that will be reflected on the product they put on the field the last few weeks. All right. Here, here's my suggestion for the Locked On podcast that you do. Um, I mean, okay. by the way, you this would be a good week to have a certain Baylor Bear – uh, who uh, who knows quite a bit about the Baylor team and and has long history with the Bears? Okay, I'm not. I'm, I'm yeah, just I got let you fig- schedules for you this week. <laughs> Gosh. Oh goodness, yes, yes. All right, yeah, I got to let you go now. After that, um, <laughs> no, I I I want to hear a discussion with and you, you. I think you are, and I've got a guy from Tech if you want him, and he's actually runs a a Tech thing. I think that'd be a good, like, debate to talk about, like, what's the better job between TCU and Tech. And I, I do think y'all win. I do. I actually think that. 
But I think that's an interesting debate because both schools have deep pockets and have big-time boosters. But um, I think that would be a very interesting discussion. So that's just a, that's just my uh, suggestion for a future podcast. I like that idea. And, yeah, I mean, I, I heard you talking about Sonny Dykes. He really is the big winner in all this. I mean, he's, he's got SMU. Uh, they've got big incentive to keep him. And he's got two schools that possibly want him. This is a pretty great situation for a guy that not too long ago was fired by, by the Cal Golden Bears. Sonny's bounced back really well there in the Metroplex. Yeah. Is uh, By the way, what's Franchoni up to these days? <laughs> he's bringing Dennis I, back. Yeah, yeah. Maybe let's see what he's up to. All right, Stephen, I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, Matt. There he goes, Stephen Simcox. You knew him as uh, my longtime co-host and producer. He's now out in the finance, the world of finance, and uh, he'll he'll write you a twenty-four, thirty-year mortgage in a heartbeat. 